We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Another episode of Tapping the Plate here on the 435 Podcast Network here on 610 Sports Radio. Our once-a-month long-form conversation with a member of the Kansas City Royals. Week it's Josh Stama. We, uh, you know, had we done this a week ago, Josh, we wouldn't have had an opportunity to catch up with you. So it's a uh, good timing, I guess, on our end. Thanks so much for the time. Of course, yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, when you know, I, I guess I, I'm going to ask you some stuff outside of baseball and kind of get to know you a little bit. But you know, just now a week in, you know, how long does it take? I've asked other guys before, but I think it's different for everybody. How long does it take to kind of like sink in that? You know, you're here now, and at least for, I know you don't want to like get too comfortable or that. Make, but how long does it take to sink in that you know you've you're in the big leagues? I, I think it takes a lot longer than than one would think. It's a uh, it's a huge honor, but you're constantly learning and constantly doing all that stuff. So the break in period is seemingly a lot longer than you'd think. Um, I I wouldn't say I'm anywhere close to comfortable, and, <laughs> and you know it's that's a good thing for a lot of guys. You know, being uncomfortable means that. You know, you're in a good spot. You get too comfortable. Sometimes people start to slack off. So, what about the uh, living out of a suitcase part of it? You guys kind of do that in AAA anyway. Slightly nicer digs, probably this way. But um, how different, I guess, has that been here in the early going? As you, you know, get settled, I guess, in the KC. In, in minor league and big league season, having anything close to a, a house or home that you can call yours when you come back, and you know. It, your dog's there, your your wife's there, whatever it may be, it's it's a nice feeling. So having to go from hotel to hotel to hotel to hotel, it's it's not very comforting. But um, again, there's a little bit nicer hotels, and uh, <laughs> it's a little bit nicer food. So it's there's a give and take. I think I'll take this rather than uh, having an apartment I can call mine in Omaha. Well, and I, you know, your your everyone's situation's a little bit different, but because you're married. Like, some guys might just have a roommate or the things through, but since you're married, like, she's still back in Omaha? Is that... No, so she actually left to go back to uh, California. She drove about 22, 24 hours with our two dogs. Oh, and, man. Uh, yeah, she's a trooper. So she uh, she went back a, a few days before I got called up, um, right after the All-Star break. So she shot home. Of course, she left came out to uh, Cleveland and then proceeded to follow me to Atlanta. And then again, I didn't go in either place. So yeah. she took a tour back to uh, Casey. And uh, so the first day I threw, she got to see that, which was awesome. And uh, she actually flew out yesterday. So she made it home. Our dogs are all good and way happier now. Um, you know, you mentioned like that, that kind of travel part and like her having to bounce around. You don't know as a reliever in particular, you don't know. When you might make your debut, you figure it's going to be in the first two, three, four days. You waited a little bit longer. That, yeah. uh, that had to put, you're just like, okay. I heard you said you were being a little extra chatty, kind of just more anticipating that moment, waiting for that moment yeah, than maybe I, you'd normally be. I'm not, I'm not the talk, most talkative person. So, I mean, there's guys that are routinely talkative and they like to kind of chirp it up. Um, I'm not. So when I get nervous, I 
have to distract myself and and usually it's either talking or vice versa i get even more quiet and i i <laughs> I, uh, I i kind of turtle um i wanted to ask you you just you mentioned your dogs and you know i had it as one of those things of conversation i'd heard that you know like i've heard that you're i don't know animal activist might be too strong but at least an advocate for animals and particularly dogs i had heard a story that you drove across state lines to get your dog because in one part of the country, obviously, pitbulls are illegal, and in a different part, they're perfectly fine. Where you were, they're fine. So you went out of your way to go out of state to get one that would be, you know, maybe in a bad spot, I guess, by comparison. Is that is that right? Yeah, so pitbulls are kind of one of those breeds that just have a bad rap. Um, they, I mean, again, they used to be called nurse terriers, and then all of a sudden there were some, you know, issues with aggressive breeds dog fighting and they changed the name from a nurse terrier to a pit bull and uh and i mean the initial thing is nurse terriers were so good with kids that's why they donned that name is they were very very protective the same protective nature made it them can manifest into a very very good fighting dog considering that they're they're very protective of what um you know their owner and things like that so we had uh, we have one pitbull who's six. His name's Miko. He's a little uh, black lab uh, pitbull Dalmatian mix, and he's a little sweetheart. Very very good dog. Not the brightest, but uh, he, uh, he not lis- the smarter of the two no, dogs. He he listens to us, which is a good thing, considering that the new dog we got um, his name's Cooper. He's also a pitbull mix. Um, very good looking dog, but he is very very smart, um, and he gets himself into trouble. So he. Uh, you can't leave any food and any anything out because Cooper will find it and he will make you pay. Um, but so Cooper was, we were looking over in Omaha. And there's a few different shelters out there, some really really nice ones, um, but primarily pit bulls and and those dogs we like. I just like the the, you know, anything that's that needs the help. Sure. We usually kind of have a soft spot for it so you know when it comes to pit bulls and things like that we we understand that it's usually how they're raised and things like that that generally points them in a direction and uh so we went to a couple shelters in omaha and they had mentioned that you know you may find some better luck in council bluffs and we didn't really understand then they alluded towards the fact that they are a banned breed over there and council bluffs as well as i think kansas city for the most part are they ban a lot of the rottweiler pitbull doberman any of the quote-unquote aggressive breeds and it's more of a protective thing um a lot of you know like companies ban them like apartment complexes have have bans on them and it's more just for their sake um but we went over there and the first you know first one we saw was was cooper and cooper is a little sweetheart um he is very very good looking dog very very well built but uh he has a pretty big brain between those ears <laughs> so he's so trouble he is cooper's a big big load of trouble but he's a very sweet dog he just went behind closed doors he likes to do his own thing were you like that as a kid like were you you know did you have animals growing up and were sensitive to it or is that something that comes with yeah your wife too or i i think my wife definitely uh expedited this process but um I was always in love with animals as a kid. I, I, it's just a soft spot in my heart, you know. Especially someone, something that can't talk, can't do anything. It's essentially helpless without, you know, sure. a good influence in their life. Uh, anything like that really kind of drives that home, and uh, they seem to find their spot. When you're, you know, and, and obviously you mentioned all the things like with the animal. Do you is that something you kind of envision, like going into 
like if you work with a charity in the future or if you go down that road, is that the kind of work you kind of see yourself doing something with animals and oh, I mean that, specifically dogs. I guess you already too. messed it up. That's not work. That's I mean that's absolutely yeah. love. Um, we we played in Fresno last year and Fresno Bully Rescue is a huge organization out there um, that is just pit bulls and we went there and saw probably upwards of 70 uh, dogs out there and they're constantly adopted things like that and they take a really good um, they take a lot of time you know when yeah. it comes to making sure that these dogs are are in the right homes they they do house visits and everything like that and we our main goal out there was to see how they did it and uh if we could do anything like that in the future and you know hopefully i'm here for a long time and and my wife can start something like that and she's not working or anything like that um she would love to do that and so that's kind of where we set our sights again lofty goals you know take a take a longer road but um that it's definitely something that i i I love i I really think that these uh certain breeds need a little bit more attention you seem um like you're careful like you're you're well thought if that's the way to say it like you think about what you're going to say and you're saying i know that you grew up with uh parents as educators right you think some of that comes from that like you know like your dad you know obviously is you know you're highly educated and you come from that is some of that just like making sure you say what you want to say and that's not a bad thing i you know i try to be careful with my words just the same if you would have asked my parents this about 15 years ago, they would have laughed you out of this entire room. <laughs> really? Um, I was a very headstrong... Growing up changes yeah, very things. headstrong kid. Uh, I had incredible impulsive actions, but, uh, you know, over time you kind of grow out of them or go, you know, past them, or maybe, you know, they just suppress, just grow su- up. suppress them well enough. Um, so I, I, would, I would attribute a lot of that to them, but at the same time, you know... He, you got to make a choice at some point, and, and running straight into the street without looking isn't always the smartest choice. Uh, what? Okay, so now I've got to at least to ask: Was there was there uh, one that stands out to you in childhood of like, oh man, boy, they gave me a hard time for that one that I was just being because uh, look, I was a, a rambunctious teenager. Certainly, I got in a little bit of trouble, right? Yeah. Nothing crazy, but like, no, I, I was a little I don't like. Think I was ever a troublemaker? Before you don't look. I don't think I was ever a troublemaker um, on purpose. A lot of it, again, yeah. was a very impulsive. I uh, I have a scar from running through a sliding glass window because I decided to just run through a house. Um, <laughs> I mean, just it, it goes Stuff on like and that. on. So I, it's not. I don't think I ever did anything um, on purpose to do something wrong, but I definitely didn't take the time to think about it. Caught up in the moment, kind yes, of stuff. Very, very much so. There was a moment like that at Kaufman a couple of days ago. So uh, we can all be understanding, yeah. I guess, at least of of that end of it. When yeah. you know. Be, and why I say you're so well thought is you seem, uh, you said yourself, like you get quiet or like you, you're just like, I get, I'm usually the quiet guy anyway. And then sometimes I might get more quiet in a situation like that. Um, what kind of takes you out of that? Like if you're like, if you're having a good time laughing or, you know, whatever it is, what takes you kind of out of that? Like, you know, this mode where you're like, oh, I got to be, you know, I'm normally pretty quiet and reserved in a professional setting. What kind of takes you out of that trivia playing I, you know, like any game or anything that. I, I'm not a very good singer, so I don't. I'm not going to be singing songs. Not I'm, not a very, I'm not a very good dancer, so I'm, I'm not going to be jumping <laughs> up and down. Okay. Um, you know, I I really just enjoy you know little things. I love fishing. I really haven't gotten to do a ton of it. You sure. know, as of my, most of my summers have been spent on some uh, red dirt. Um, but it you know 
I'm definitely not the most talkative when it comes to everyday life, but you know, if I'm, I, I also find time to enjoy things. I, uh, I love my dogs. I like having close friends. I'm not sure. a guy to have 15 people and be the ringleader, but if you give me two or three guys, uh, you know, I, uh, that's, that's where I like to talk. What about free time? Miners has got some of that. You guys are on buses. You read, watch movies, Netflix. I, I was a big video game guy for a while, and I kind of fell off that um, as my wife spent time with me. I, we, we really do just like going out and, outside. You know, as simple as walking around or just going to get food and eating outside, um, taking our dogs. It's, it's it's super boring, but it's one of those things that you kind of look back and as she's in California now for the next you know month and a half. Sure, I don't have that option, so you know it's it's something you can kind of reminisce about. But I I I can't trade any of that. I love it. No, yeah, that's good. I mean, you the, look. I've got a wife and kids. Like that eats up enough of the time. The wife and dogs eats up. A lot of free time between baseball, which is also uh, somewhat timely. We, um, with that, I know that, you know, we were talking about, like, I know you guys have little time for that. Somebody had actually pointed out, we were talking before because we weren't sure if you were going to keep uh, the mustache or not. When you came up, why'd you get rid of it? Uh, the mustache was gone before I came up. Um, okay. It was, uh, it was a snap decision. Uh, and to get just, rid of it yeah, before? It just, I woke okay. up one day and it was gone. Um but it was, you know, it was it was a little bit one of those things that you just, as a minor leaguer, you can have a mustache and kind of get away with it. Um, <laughs> and getting away with it is kind of a another term for it. I, I don't think it was as uh, professional as uh, needed to be in a clean shaven organization. I thought so, it looked good. And no, it was a phenomenal mustache. I'll, I'll give myself some credit. <laughs> there you um, go, yeah. But I uh, I didn't think it was it was the type of thing that was gonna, you know gonna be me so i you know i trimmed that up and i should probably cut the hair at some point too so uh i, I mean can, can get rid of them you know I, the hosmer 80s had his haircut great, the 80s was a great time but uh, the mullet and mustache probably isn't uh isn't in its prime anymore it, it's funny you mentioned that combo because some a guy i work with dusty he said you look like billy from stranger things see is that the know, look you were going for this keeps coming around this is this is not the first time that's been <laughs> okay. said so just uh, making you know, sure you talk to gordo about that because that's all he talk that's all he calls me now is billy so uh, okay um yeah it's uh it, it's it is not the look i was going for my wife likes the hair and i'm you know hey, it's first i'm indifferent <laughs> so indifferent. If, it, if it needs to go it's gone but uh at the same time it's uh it's different look hosmer had like they, there was a whole newspaper article about his haircut. I think you're all right, Patrick Mahomes' hair, right? I mean, everybody's can you can live yeah, a different. I mean, when you have something that's outstanding, you better be doing things that are outstanding. So as long uh, as I'm fair. on, if, as long as I'm on that train, then that's fine with me. But uh, you know, it, uh, if it's something that's Look good, blocking, feel good. block, yeah, blocking progress, then that uh, it's gone. <laughs> when you're, um, I, I want to ask you a little bit about pitching, just because you're talking about blocking progress and all that. Obviously, you started your career as a starter. And then you were a reliever there in the middle, and then they switched you to the opener role, which they haven't done here yet in the big leagues. Um, about half the team in the major leagues have, have at some point experimented with that, and even you know Ned Yost and Dayton Moore don't rule that out either. That role versus the other two, as someone you know, I'm going to talk to a lot of people who have experienced that role. That role versus straight relief versus just a starter. How different is it than just being a starter, just being a reliever, to be in a role where you know it's one or two innings and then you're done? It's different. It, by, it is not the easiest thing to jump right into. There, for me, you know, it took a little bit of uh, adjustment to it. It really wasn't um, something that was 
outrageously different. Uh, and I took it. I took a little more pride in the fact that when you open, especially when the, there's a right-hander coming in after you, um, you really have to establish how that game is going to go. Um, you Even know, for them, yeah. No, yeah. So if you're if you're sitting there and you're having a tough outing, you know, you you have to rely upon all fastballs, things like that. You really aren't setting up everyone else for success, um, especially when you have a guy, a right-hander that four-seam with a curve yeah, coming in after you. You, you really got to establish the inside. You got to establish for strikes. You got to establish really early that, you know, even though it's a different pitcher, you got to set kind of some standards early. And I, and I really took a, a lot of pride into that um, as well as trying to get, you know, just the first six guys out of the way. Um, yeah. You're not trying to sit there laboring through uh, two, three innings. Um, but opening compared to starting is a little bit different. You know, as a starter, the trend is to generally – try to get through that first time through the lineup with you know just fastball or just maybe fastball uh you know curve before bringing in a secondary pitch and tertiary pitch um, yeah because you're trying to wait as long as possible for them right. to see you know you're, you're trying not to show your cards so um the game is also changing in that aspect you know a lot of guys are throwing a lot more off speed almost all the time with the threat of the fastball being the most dynamic uh impact um you know, just the fact that you can throw fifty to sixty percent sliders and an off speed, and you know that thirty-five percent fastball is huge because it still can surprise you. And a guy that's throwing you know ninety-five, you'd expect him to rely more upon his fastball. And the game's kind of changing that aspect. Does that find does does that kind of translate to you studying the starters more than you ever like other guys? Right? If you're saying how this guy operates, you're trying to make sure that whatever guy it is behind you is set up for success. Does it? You find yourself studying what they do more just as like trying to be a complement to what you're going to do first? I think a game in general it starts off on the right foot. You have a, a higher chance of having success. You know, if there's obviously some times that it's happened to me that you can be the one that completely throws the game away or saves the game. Sure. Um, but usually if you're starting on the right foot, you know, if I give up a run as an opener, usually it's going to result in a loss. And that's only because, you know, how statistics work but if you're putting everyone behind the eight ball that means that they not only have to catch up but surpass it and it's you know it's something to, you have to take pride in and I, and I really do and I you know if we do it at this level that'd be phenomenal but I think uh anyone that does it is just you know they just kind of have to take it with a little grain of salt because it's as it's as easy as just throwing two innings and you're done but at the same time there you know there's routines and everything that have to go into that that are a little bit different from just, you know, sure. throwing at 3 o'clock and then you'll be in the game at 9.30. Is it less stress than being a late-inning reliever or just different stress? Oof. That's a good question. I, there's there's a lot more buildup. I, I personally don't know which one I would prefer. There are certain days that, you know, maybe your stomach's a little uneasy and you don't want to sit there for eight innings until you're <laughs> in the game. Sure. So you'd love to jump in. But at the same time, if you wake up in a day that, you know, maybe you're – knees a little tight your back's a little tight you're sitting there the whole day with knowing that you're going to open you can get yourself perfectly ready and able to do that um take as, as much as, time as you need yeah, right as yeah. a reliever you know you you don't know whether you have especially in uh you know the minor leagues you don't know whether you have an out or three innings you know it, it's just kind of one of those things that by necessity you're going to kind of get out there and do your job and uh learn along the way You've been, you, you know, obviously your, it was your second year at AAA for the Royals organization. Um, you know, we, we talk about some of the different friendships, like we know Dozier and O'Hearn were friends coming up. Who are some of the guys you were close with in AAA, either that 
had already made it up before you or, or guys that maybe are still down there that you were close with before? Yeah, I, I mean, I played with a lot of these guys. Again, this team is um, – It's it's almost all homegrown. It, it really is. And, and for a player that was also homegrown and, you know, raised Royal, um, it was uh, it was really nice kind of coming up here and having uh, just a multitude of familiar faces. And for a lot of guys that come up on teams, they really don't have that. You know, there's there's been trades and, and – transitions and older guys and younger guys that they you know never ever met um but for me you know between almost everyone out there i've i've either played with i've met i've been around and it hasn't been the first time that i come up here and meet and so having you know i mean i i played in 16 with majority of the guys yeah. that are on this field i played in 17 you know some guys trickled up here in that year 18 same thing and you know this year there were more guys that you know came up and down that i'm, I'm really familiar with so i mean I don't even think there's there's one guy that I could say I'm yeah. I'm closest to. It's 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 a blessing to have so many guys that I, you know you really trust and are friends with. Going back to when you were drafted by the Royals, when when you were coming out of high school, you went you know smaller school for college baseball. Did you were you close to signing with the team, or when you when you you know when you went through that process for deciding between college or pro baseball right away. Were you close on that end? No, no. Because you were I, kind I, of a late, I guess you would say, a late bloomer in that aspect, right? Your velocity came a little later? Yeah, I threw hard in, in high school um, for a nationwide thing, but for California it was just kind of run-of-the-mill. Um, so in, in California is a little different in that aspect. You know, there's, there's a lot of um, scouting and opportunity, but at the same time there is a ton of talent out there. You know, I think – Giolito and all those guys were in my draft class in 2012 and you know he's sitting over there throwing 100 in high school and I'm throwing 90 thinking which you know, is that's a pretty good high school velocity pretty yeah. good for high school but every high school you played in California even if it was as small as ours was hey you didn't get taken way behind Giolito you were that I mean like draft wise right it, round it, wise inev inevitably yeah but um at the time you know it yeah. it was it had nothing to do with uh with what I was doing. I, yeah. I, you know, school was my pri primary focus. Um, I went to the same school my mom worked at. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it really wasn't, you know, baseball wasn't probably my, my primary focus. It was something that, you know, could cover a little bit of school uh, through like a partial scholarship and stuff like that. And, that. and that was as much as I could grab out of it. And I took it. When, like, so to, so to go to the same school your mom was teaching at, is that what you would have done? Were you going to go education? Like I mentioned, both your parents. No, no. I think they they drove me away from education. It's it's there's like, like they are like don't do this. Yeah, no. I I, <laughs> Look, I have siblings who teach that yeah, might. Do I uh, I don't know if they ever drove me away from education, but you know the the stories you hear are usually along the lines of you know complaining and and negative. They're not sitting there telling you how rewarding it is to be a teacher. Sure. Very very frequently. So um, I think as my 18 year old head started to decide what major I was going into teaching wasn't probably my primary focus. Um, I wanted to be a physical therapist. That was just kind of the thing that kind of stood out to me. I, I really liked, uh, again, helping people that, you know, couldn't help themselves. So when it came to being a physical therapist for usually in, you know, this is kind of out the door now as I'm 25 and haven't finished college, but, um, <laughs> a little harder when you, you know, get bit, drafted in the second bit, round yeah, and have to different. sign. Um, you know, I was I was really encouraged in into pursuing a career that I could find rewarding on both ends. And, you know, something that I you know, I take pride in um, 
being physically active and doing things like that, but as well as the fact that you have to understand that there's so many people out there that don't have the opportunity to do that. Um, I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it, um, whether it came to, you know, mental or physical disabilities, um, you know, something that somebody was born with or something that, you know, happened as an accident. That was something that I really felt, you know, a calling towards and uh, it kind of dissipated as baseball came and, you know, it, it was a lot more prevalent, you know, sophomore, junior year, but uh, it doesn't doesn't change how I feel. It just uh, changed what I had to choose. Do you think you'd ever go back and finish? Did you I'll, make a promise to your parents or anything no, like that? No, I, okay. I haven't. I, I I really do want to go finish college and hopefully this off season I, I can maybe start swinging some classes, but uh, it, uh, thankfully as a high draft pick and things like that, I have been in Arizona a lot for sure. the off season. So it takes away from a lot of that time that you can find yourself at school, uh, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Um, you know, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't spending the time, you know, Getting there and, and doing what I need yeah. to do. Um, Last offseason was a, a good opportunity for me to start my degree. It was the first time I didn't come back to Arizona, but I was also getting married and doing a few other things, and, you know, it just it didn't work out. So, you know, we're trying to get that done, get that out of the way, because, uh, you know, education is, is hugely important, and, you know, college degrees nowadays are a dime a dozen, it seems, and it's, it's kind of turning into the – high school diploma and uh you kind of just gotta get that out of the way it's crazy because it's just such a mixed bag because there's so many guys in an organization that are straight out of high school some guys who completed college some guys who did some co you know because like if you decide to play college baseball you got to play you got to get pretty far down the road towards a degree but not all the way it's just kind of different for everybody it seems like on that i'm sure some guys don't go back i'm just with your parents both in that realm you know i didn't know if maybe you know, that was something that kind of you strove for. Well, it's definitely something that I would pursue without a doubt. It had baseball yeah. not been in, you know, in my cards. But, um, you know, my dad just finished his Ph.D. recently. My wife just started hers. In the, you know, just couple, started her Ph.D.? A couple weeks. So What's it in, just out of curiosity? I oh, couldn't gonna... tell you the exact <laughs> thing that she's doing it in. I think it's along the lines of, like, leadership or education okay. stuff. She's, sure. She works at a college um, in athletics, and she's uh, – you know, she's inspiring when it even comes to that. She's she's a young gun, and she <laughs> she does her job well. So, um, you know, she's, uh, again, one of the inspiring people that just kind of always pushes me. And, you know, the fact that nothing's ever good enough is a, is a, is a good thing. Uh, I, I'll never take, a, take it as a bad thing. And, Plus, and, everyone's going to get PhDs. And just, exactly. Like, and, and well, I, I got to have something here. I, and, and I'm the one sitting here as my <laughs> everyone's going to law school. My sister's in law school, and every, so everyone's doing their own thing. So she's, uh, I'm just sitting here kicking dirt around. <laughs> hey, look, you get to play a game. That's not a bad thing, right? It is. All right, Josh. Um, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for all the time, and, and it was good getting to know you. Like, sometimes we don't have a chance to, you know, down there we might just ask about what happened in the game or what's going to happen in the next game. Uh, but it's good to kind of, you know, always for these things. We kind of like getting to know the guy behind it. So thanks so much for the time. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Please like, subscribe, and download the Tapping the Plate podcast here on the 435 Podcast Network, all here for 610 Sports Radio. We'll talk to you guys in the next episode of Tapping the Plate Radio. We'll talk to you guys in the next episode of Tapping the Plate Radio. We'll talk to you guys in the next episode of Tapping the Plate. Radio. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.